I am J.A. Lovelock, a barrister and an author, but most importantly, a crime junkie. Welcome to my podcast, Behind the Yellow Tape. Lincolnshire, the year 1884. The case of Mary Lefley leads us to a poison case which took place there in Lincolnshire. On the 6th of February 1884, when William Lefley talked heartedly into his rice pudding at his home in Wrangell, he had no idea that it was to be his last supper. Sadly for him, the rice pudding had been laced with arsenic. The nearest person to him, his wife Mary, was accused of killing her husband. But did she really? It all began on Wednesday the 6th of February, when at about three o'clock, William Lefley went to his local doctor's, crying out in excruciating pain. In his pain, he dramatically accused his wife Mary of poisoning him. True or not, by nine o'clock that evening, 59-year-old William Lefley was dead. Within 48 hours, Mary was arrested and charged with his murder. Naturally, she pleaded her innocence. Mary had told the authorities that she could not have poisoned her husband because firstly she had left William's rice pudding in the oven for when he got home and then she had gone about her business in Boston some four miles away to sell butter which she frequently did. Mary and William lived in a freehold cottage in the tiny village of Wrangell and on the surface of their 31-year-old marriage the childless couple appeared to be happily married. So why would anyone think Mary had murder in mind with regards to her husband? Apart from those dramatic words that fell from William's mouth. After William left the doctor's following treatment, he was seen around 4.30 in the afternoon and he was well enough to go home and with the help of neighbours get upstairs to bed. When Mary returned home around 6 o'clock that evening, she found a parish clerk, Richard Wright, and a neighbour with William. When she asked what the matter was with him, William said to her, You know all about it, my dear. Go down and don't let me see you anymore. Mm. This statement or dying declaration by William proved to be damning evidence against Mary. A short while after William's death, Mary received a visit from Mrs. Curl. Now, Mrs. Curl was the village constable's wife. Mary suggested to her that if William was poisoned, he had taken the poison himself in order to commit suicide. The postmortem revealed that William had a large quantity of arsenic in his stomach tissues. Eight grams. Suicide or not, such quantity was a killer. Enough to kill 50 to 60 people. The notion of William committing suicide was not altogether from left field, because he had tried it once before, Mary said. The day after William's death, Mary went with her brother to see a local farmer by the name of Mr. Saul, and she told him that her marriage to William had not been going too well, and that he had mentioned suicide to her. He had intended to hang himself. Mr. Saul asked Mary if she had gone after him in an effort to prevent this. She said she hadn't. Well, you can imagine that when the juror heard this, Mary had pretty much hung herself. 
and there was even talk that some unknown third party might have snuck in and poisoned the rice pudding. You may laugh, but in 1883, the hypothesis gained unexpected credence when a farmer made a deathbed confession to having done just that over a financial grudge, which had nothing to do with Mary Lefley herself. Mary insisted she was innocent. She insisted that she couldn't have committed the murder because there was no poison in the house. Well, there might have been because a thorough search of her home revealed some white powder, wrapped up in paper, which the police sent for analysis, along with the remains of the rice pudding. The powder proved not to be arsenic. Even though no incriminating evidence was found, Mary was not out of the woods. Mary came from outside of the parish. She was not regarded as one of us by the villagers, and they wasted no time in naming and shaming Mary. Villagers lined up to cast aspersions on her character, and they weren't shy in coming forward with their own accusations of murder, even though none of them had seen her administer poison to William. Besides, now that William was dead, as a widow, they saw her as a potential economic drain in that they would have to pay more to the poor rate to support her. In the event, Mary was charged and taken before the local magistrate and duly committed for trial at Lincoln Assizes. Her case was heard on Wednesday the 7th of May before Mr Justice North. She was dressed all in black and had to be helped up to the dock because of her severe rheumatism. The prosecution stated Mary simply wanted to rid herself of her husband. Forensic evidence was brought forth. Evidence from family and neighbours as to the state of the marriage, in that it wasn't a good one. It was under strain. And furthermore, that William was in good health prior to eating the rice pudding. The prosecution, however, were not able to offer any evidence of Mary purchasing arsenic, the sale of which was much more tightly controlled in 1884. And there was no evidence of Mary being seen to actually administer the poison to William's rice pudding. In Mary's defence, it was claimed that William Lefley had committed suicide. They presented the testimony of William's nephew, William Lester, who had been lodging with his uncle and aunt until four days before the murder. And he related to the court how on the 1st of February, William and Mary had argued over a cask of ale that Mary had ordered and that William told him that he had tried to hang himself. The young man told his aunt the following morning. It was also suggested by the defence that if William's death was not suicide... A stranger had put the poison into the food, which was unsurprisingly not believed by the jury. In the event, the jury took 35 minutes to find Mary Lefley guilty of her husband's murder. As the judge sentenced Mary to death, she protested, I'm not guilty. I have never poisoned anybody in my life. She was taken back to the new Lincoln County Jail in Greetwell Road that had opened in 1872 to replace the old castle jail and she was placed in the condemned cell. 
Here she was guarded around the clock by wardresses and visited regularly by the governor, Major McKay, and the chaplain, the Reverend H. Hadcock, who no doubt did his best to prepare her for her fate. It is said that the warders, governor and chaplain, all thought that Mary was innocent. But none of this held any sway with the Home Secretary, Sir William Vernon Harcourt, who decided not to give her the benefit of any of the possible doubts, and therefore no reprieve would be forthcoming. On Monday, the 26th of May, 1884, 49-year-old Mary Leffley from Wrangell in Lincolnshire, hysterical with terror, had to be dragged to the gallows. And she was hanged at Lincoln County Jail for the murder of her husband, William, by arsenic poisoning. But was Mary guilty of murder? On the basis of the evidence provided to the court, or the lack of it, or, on the other hand, did William take his own life, yet try to put Mary's head in the noose? You decide. Thanks for listening. I am J.A. Lovelock. Join us next time as we go behind the yellow tape and catch up with more episodes at btytpodcast.com. I want to take a moment to tell you about my podcast, Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage. In 1984, a woman named Phyllis Cottle was abducted in broad daylight, tortured, and left to die in a burning car in Akron, Ohio. At the time, I was a rookie reporter covering this horrific story. Since then, I've reported every kind of crime imaginable. I've been able to leave most of them at work, but not this one. The one that buried itself under my skin and stayed put. Phyllis Cottle was a badass woman, and I want to tell you her story. A production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network, you can find Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at killerpodcast.com.